As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul when he was fresh out the hospital Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through So tell me why you mad even Your team gonna be sad leaving After matching up with Brad Stevens Each season, champion contenders We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba Your team whack and your players whacker I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer Okay, we about chips here I'm talking about this year Band of 12 plus 6 here Fast PP Top rookie, I'm saying it now Ain't playing around with Brown, we off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and everything is groovy in Celtics town. Uh, <laughs> that was corny. That was corny as hell. It was a ridiculous thing to say, but I would maintain that it is true. The Celtics have won three games in a row, five of their last six. They are five and two since a couple podcasts ago when I uh, declared that the vibes were immaculate and that the vibes were rebounding. Jay, was it my declaration that kind of allowed the Celtics to kind of see just like what they needed to do to play better basketball? Uh, Was it the return of Romeo Langford? What is the biggest reason for the Celtics just playing good, like consistently? I would argue you had a premature celebration of the return vibe. Five and two since I declared the vibes immaculate. However, right after that was a terrible loss, if I recall correctly. Uh, another outlier loss where they just lost. It was Luca. They had the big comeback. I think the vibes were still there. The bo- the soul crushing loss was against the Sixers. But uh, other than that, they've just won basketball games and they're on a three game streak. They started. Uh, Last podcast, I talked about the the four games and what the impact they could have. 
the 4-0 possibility is still available by winning those first two games. I think the most impressive win has to be Denver coming back. What was it? Four, down 14 at the, close to the end of the third quarter and just the defense stepping up and just stopping the Nuggets from scoring. Uh, I know you have some fancy numbers about how good the defense has been. Explain this. How, how have the Celtics been managed to turn it around and become a great defensive team? Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to label them a great defensive team yet. But That's the, fair. You can tell. I'm just getting excited the, from winning basketball. The returns over the last 10 games or so have been promising. I think, you know, part of that has been the schedule. They played a few bad teams during that stretch. That was helpful. It was helpful to be at home for, I think, seven straight games during that stretch. Uh, all of that goes into it but even with all of those things the Celtics would not have piled up those stops consistently earlier in the season I think a a lot has gone into it I think obviously Jason Tatum is growing it seems stronger um, as he's further out from his COVID case and I I think that matters a lot I think Romeo Langford's return to the lineup like it's it's not the most important thing, but it just allows flexibility and defensive versatility and strategies that, quite frankly, Brad Stevens couldn't really turn to when he went to the bench previously. And so now he's going with Romeo and Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson off the bench. And that's a hard-nosed group. And Tristan Thompson has played really well since returning. I think his defense has, has been really good. Robert Williams has been helpful as since taking on the role of, of starter. And so I think a lot of factors for the Celtics are kind of pointing upward on the defensive side of the court. Over the last 10 games, they have a defensive rating that would rank second in the league over the full season, which is so far different from what they've been. That's a and, wild stat. <laughs> and, and, you know, you can point to some of the games and say – you know this. This is a bad team. It was only against the, the Rockets, the Hornets, yeah, yeah, the Timberwolves, the Hornets without a bunch of guys. Timberwolves actually have like a lot of pretty good offensive players, um, and the Timberwolves but, put up a lot of points too. So. Yeah, but like that Denver game, the last what fourteen minutes? That's the most locked in defensive stretch we've seen from the Celtics, or one of the most locked in in a while. And I, I say that not just because. Like they only allowed eight points during that final 14 minutes, which is ridiculous or not because Denver went three for 23, but Brad Stevens told the guys like, you're going to switch and you're going to have, we're going to have Grant Williams on Nikola Jokic and Robert Williams is going to help off Aaron Gordon on the weak side, which is not something Robert Williams has ever really been asked to do. And, and they did it. And they did it on the fly. And like defensive intelligence has not really been the forte of this team. I think we've seen a lot of break scouting report breakdowns. And so for them to lock in to something that was kind of a a curveball strategy that that they've never really tried before, I think that's really promising. And it speaks to where, you know, this team is heading mentally, which is a different place maybe than it was ten games ago. Yeah, it just feels like they have the bodies now to play like just great defense consistently throughout the game. We talk a lot about 
how the offense struggles when Jason Tatum's not on the court. But I also think just the rotation in general struggled defensively when Tatum's not on the court. And they just a lot of the Jeff Teague minutes, Peyton Pritchard, he's not the best defender, but Shemi Ojale, just all the kind of garbage bench lineups that we've seen in the past uh, or at least early this season. It feels like with Romeo returning, with Tristan Thompson back, they just have so much more depth. And the run uh, against the Nuggets, uh, I just thought they had the players to kind of sustain stops over that period of time. I think at the end of the third quarter, it was Grant, uh, Tristan, Romeo, and then Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker made some phenomenal plays at the end of the third to basically cut what was a 14-point lead down to a five-point lead in under two minutes. But they, I think it was able to sustain that because then the sub after that is they replaced, you replaced Tristan, Grant, and Romeo with Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and uh, Time Lord. That's just like you still have a great lineup on the court. Actually, uh, Romeo stayed in the game. Romeo was the, one of the guys who played in both lineups. But just that depth of like the backup lineup being able to play good defensively and then just to keep it rolling and the defense not really take a step back now that you have to give Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown a rest. That, that depth was just impressive to me, uh, especially against the, the Nuggets team. Yeah, and and that's where having Romeo Langford helps, and that's where, you know, I I think I feel like Grant Williams has started to play better recently, and um, Tristan Thompson has certainly played played better before he got COVID, and since he came back from COVID, it it's like he he just hasn't really suffered from that. I've, obviously, I'm not trying to belittle like the, all the symptoms he had and stuff, um, but he hasn't. It hasn't hurt him since he got back um and so i i just think that personnel wise this is a better defense than it was for much of the first half of the season is this just a roster construction thing like this is the first time we're seeing a be- well-balanced roster instead of having the awkward three bigs and having two big lineups or having you know a lot of jeff teague minutes yeah i i think that that's definitely a benefit like like playing Peyton Pritchard and Jeff T together like individually those guys are are fine defenders but when you play them together it limits what you can do how many things you can switch the types of um strategies you can use and so and then on top of that like Tyson Thompson playing those guys together like those guys are both fine defenders um probably better than fine but together like it's just not perfect and so the Celtics were using a lot of lineups that didn't have as much versatility as they're used to and I think that that hurt them um and now now with Romeo Langford back and guys getting healthy like it, it makes a huge difference and and they're starting to play like the defense that that they probably envisioned um with this team and you know when Fournier gets back he's not a the best defender in the world, but he's another six, seven guy and another guy with length and another guy who can switch. So that, that should just add to it. Um, but yeah. And, I, and then I think Tatum, Tatum has just gone to another level of late. The, the 53 point performance was part of it, but it just, he's just seemed- been consistently a high volume scorer. It pretty much seems like his last 10 games are damn close to 30 and the whole entire Celtics uh, offense in the fourth quarter has some crazy net rating uh, over the last, I think, or since the game, since the all-star break. 
that's a, a surprise when you talk about this Boston Celtics team because it feels like uh, earlier in the season, fourth quarter scoring uh, and just losing a bunch of clutch games has been a big issue for this team. And clearly Jason Tatum has uh, decided to – not decided. He's just playing much better. How much credit does Kendrick Perkins get for the turnaround in Jason Tatum? <laughs> The the whole Kendrick Perkins, Jason Tatum thing has been an interesting subplot over the past few days. What it, so Perk initially tweeted out, I think it was after what the Mavericks lost or the no, it was after the Sixers lost, something about body language, saying Jason Tatum needs to stop shrugging his shoulders and like get back to it. Um it was some typical Perk, just like Perk tweets a, a lot of things. People say a lot of things. But maybe because it was Perk and he has national attention, this one seemed to get under the uh, skin of maybe not Jason Tatum, but the folks around Jason Tatum. Yeah. Um, I mean, Drew Hanlon, after Perk said, I called Jason Tatum out about giving more and he didn't get all sensitive and he heard me and responded like a true professional supposed to end the best game of his young career, finishing with 53 spicy and 10 boards with W carry the hell on <laughs> and then drew hanlon who's tatum's longtime trainer came back lol jason at jason tatum handle didn't care about what you said he's just a bucket and then, that is kind of perks taking that's like exactly the dumb joke i did at the start taking credit for the immaculate vibes it's this turk being like i mean perk being like yep that's on me i inspired the young fella I can see why uh, J- uh, Drew Hanlon might have been upset. Yeah, and then Tatum's mom came in, said, tell him again, Drew. <laughs> and then then Hanlon and Perk were, were at each other's necks for a while. Hanlon talking about, you know, training since 13 with Tatum. And Perk saying, relax, bro, you're pow- popular and I'm powerful. There's a difference, homeboy. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> You're not qualified to indulge in this conversation. The NBA players only. Um, my favorite part, though, is when Perks tweeted at Hanlon, don't start smelling yourself because you send a few players through cone drills every summer. <laughs> like, what, what a line that was. And obviously, like, I don't think Kendrick Perkins is the reason Jason Tatum had 53 points. Jason Tatum has always been a guy who puts up big scoring totals. And now it seems like he's getting healthier and getting some of his stamina back. And he's been great for a a little while here. Um, But I I do love the back and forth. (laughs) The the entertainment of it is just classic. I think I saw uh, Drew Hanlon responded like, huh haven't run a cone drill in four years or something like that. He was like, he was personally offended as an NBA trainer because they don't, it's not cone drills anymore. But I think Drew Hanlon probably has more. Haven't used a cone in 10 years, LOL. Maybe <laughs> that's what Perk used when he was training. That would explain his career scoring average of 5.4 points per game. <laughs> it got what, spicy. I've got some real Twitter spicy. karate with Drew Hanlon before about um, Zach Levine, but. It's just more of the both both guys willing to post, willing to go back and forth. That's just the that's fun, I guess. Twitter content. It's much more better than just people being upset in your mentions about everything else. Um, but I think Jason Tatum is just uh, playing really well because he's a uh, All NBA level player, and he does seem to get off to slow starts in games. But in the fourth quarter, he's been 
uh, fantastic scoring, doing the majority of his scoring at fourth quarter uh, against the Timberwolves. Jason Tatum had 13 points. And then how much, how many more did he score in the overtime? But then yeah, I think he has 17 points against the Nuggets in the fourth quarter. He just feels like he's going to the basket a little bit more and drawing more fouls, which um, I don't know if Perk can take credit for that, but I'm sure he will. Uh, but I don't know. He's just playing all-star level basketball. That doesn't seem too surprising that Jason Tatum is, uh, in fact, good. Yeah, and I, I think I do think the Celtics, you know, over the last 10, 15 games, like their offense has looked very different. And we they're shooting way the, more threes. The defensive improvement before, but yeah, like, like they've gone from an anti-modern offense to okay, let's chuck that thing up there. And I think part of that is personnel, but I think you know you look at Jalen Brown, like he's taking a ton of threes. He's taking more threes than he ever took before. Jason Tatum, he's getting them up too. And and th- those guys, it seems like they're they're getting rid of some of the mid-range jumpers, at least the the ones early in the shot clock and, and trying to do, you know, get to the paint, kick it out. It just feels like, like this offense from a standpoint of, of getting the right types of shots has come a long way and it's not perfect. It's not perfect. Like they, they haven't gotten free throw attempts very often, although that helped them stay in the nuggets game for a while um they're they're not like the best at getting points in the paint but if you look at just just the quality of their shots it's it's night and day compared to where it was you know two months ago and it's they're chucking threes like they're absolutely just launching and i think it's generally a good thing there's not many that are like oh that's an awful shot but i think when your strategy is being like get up to 40 50 attempts uh per game um, you're going to need to just keep chucking. The thing that's interesting to me, it feels like they're getting better quality looks, and I think they're coming. It's, I would give credit to the defense just being able to play a little bit more in transition, just simple things like drag screens in transition for open threes, but it does feel like the ball movement, everything gets better when it comes off a stop or defensive rebound, and so as the defense gets better, I think it helps the offense. Uh, but they're getting what I think looks to be better looks. This is pure confirmation bias. Um, because they've been winning. But we saw in that Nuggets game where they started like three for 18 from the line. It's going to have uh, – they're going to have some streaky performances, which is a reason why I think they're going to be down in some games. But it's also a reason why uh, they have shown this ability to come back because they can just get on a roll uh, and start making threes. The thing that I was interesting uh, to me today was I checked out Kemba's three-point percentage, and he's something at 33% this year, or basically the same amount of attempts – he shot 38% uh, last year from three. And if he can just get rolling, like, or, and just start making us, like, have that percentage creep up a bit, I think it's going to do a lot for the Celtics offense. I was uh, shocked to see that Kemba shot 38% from three last year because it doesn't feel like we've been anything close to that this year. And, like, who knows? I don't, I can't tell if it's like an injury thing, it's just an, uh, an aberration, a down year. But so I do think there's potential for him to uh, get better from deep. But I was shocked that it was, uh, it was so much worse this year than it was last year. And one one of the interesting things recently is that Kemba's usage has really tapered off. And I don't know what that's a factor of, um, whether they've just decided, okay, 
Jason Tatum, you're number one. Jalen Brown, you're number two. Kemba, you're three. And and you guys have to figure it out or whether it's just kind of been a a more organic thing where that's just kind of how the season has gone. But he went – so he was at 29% usage in January, which was his first month back. Just about 29%, 28.4% usage in February. March, 25% usage. April, 20.7% so far in five games. And so so he's gone from like all-star usage to just pretty normal usage. Um, and th- so that's that's interesting to me. And I, I guess Does I that mean know. he's just playing off ball more and just like being just I, more of a- I don't know exactly – like what it stems from um but i just i just think that especially the way he's shooting um it hasn't been great um he hasn't well that's what makes his shooting like that much more most efficient season yeah and and i think like there's there's upside obviously with kemba if his threes start to fall again um and and the offense has been great typically with him on the court but but they he's gone away from being a, a big shot attempt guy and and that's that's an interesting development. One of the more interesting developments, I think, is is his role kind of shrinking. And and if that happens, like his fit gets a little clunkier. Um, but also, I think like you can be that player and still be super important. Like I I, I always go back to Tony Parker. Like what did he average like? 16 17 points a game probably most years with the spurs and it was like those were an important 16 or 17 and there were games when it was just like okay tony carry us and i think that's where kemba needs to be for this celtics team to to be maximized and i feel like that's kind of the direction they're going where he's not going to be like a go-to guy anymore um at least when he's playing next to tatum and brown it makes sense. It's just Tatum is clearly the best player on the team, and so you want the ball in his hands, and he continues to make um, progress just as a playmaker, distributor. Like It feels like once a game now, he kind of throws a pass to go, ooh, I did, didn't know you had that, but like it's – and he's, is, I think his turnovers are uh, – Tatum's turnover, turnovers are up a little bit, but um, you want the ball in his hands. I think that's just what makes Kemba shooting that much more important because he's still shooting eight threes a game, and right now he's making like – three of them or like a little two of them. But if he can just get like, I'm just seeing like a lot of two for nine performances on his game log. And if it's like four for nine, just a little bit more of that boost. So he's, is like uh, consistently that 15 point a game score. That's the problem. I think with Kemba right now is like, he has some good nights where he'll throw in 20 and then he's some bad nights where it's just like nine, um, or not nine, but like 11, 12 in the lower teens where, uh, he just needs to be more consistent of a score, and I just think that will come from like I hope that he just writes the ship in terms of shooting um, from uh, beyond the arc. Yeah, and I mean he's been a lot better than thirty three percent for a long time, so this is atypical, um, and maybe maybe that's a part of not getting the shot attempts he normally gets, and and it's just all a part of figuring figuring out a new role that he's never played before. Even last year, like Tatum had the rise later in the season, but Kemba was out for a lot of that. Like like when Tatum really took control of the Celtics, 
Kemba was out injured for a lot of that. When he came back, he was on a minutes restriction. Like things were just different. And so now I feel like this is probably the first time in his career that he's had to actively take a step back. And so I think part of it is probably just difficulty figuring all of that out. Yeah, what was Ta- what was Kemba's usage, I guess, in the playoffs last year? Is it was similarly low, I would expect, compared to uh, – because it felt like last year in the playoffs, or at least in the bubble, like late in games, it was definitely an emphasis on getting the ball in uh, Tatum's hands. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, last season, it, like the 30-point games from Kemba just stopped pretty much after uh, – I think everybody like, – it was really only in the His first usage half of the in the playoffs was 23. So kind of around the similar range it has been the last couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a, a little lower the last couple months. Yeah. I, I guess pr- probably about the same. Yeah. So I, I think it's like been that the- tapered off, especially toward the end of the playoffs. So like when guys were like when the Raptors went boxing one on him for a little while and guys went zone, like I feel like once teams went zone, his, his, and his knee flared up even more. Yeah. Um, and who knows? I mean, hopefully the knee isn't part of the reason why he's getting fewer opportunities lately. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah. All right, what do the Celtics need to do to win the next two games and keep the vibes rolling? I didn't think 4-0 was possible, uh, but the kind of the entire outlook changes. You move the goalposts. Now I'm going to be furious if they don't take um, at least one of these next two games. The toughest one's clearly against the Portland Trailblazers who have uh, old friend Ennis Kanner getting 30 rebounds in a game and one of the better offenses in the league with Dame and CJ, but they also have one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, I think the Celtics, they did a pretty good job on Jokic, but the, one of the things they struggle with is stopping dribble penetration this year. And so that worries me going into this game against the trailblazers. But I think it's uh they it feels like the Celtics have more of a chance uh, than they did. The, the vibes are better. I'm trying to tell you the vibes are good. I'm believing in this team now. You're believing. You're a believer. I'm, a, I'm an optimist. How could I not be? They're 5-12 and 12, or 5-2 and two since I declared them uh, good. And 5-1 and one in their last six after you prematurely declared them good. But what do you think they need to do in Portland to not just completely die on uh, – Dribble penetration by Damon CJ. I mean, you just got to be solid. Those guys are got to be solid. <laughs> those guys are going to get theirs. The help has to come in the right places. Um, if if you botch switches, if you have miscommunications, it's a wrap. 
like Dame is going to score three from wherever he's standing on the court. So you have to just be really, really solid, really, really locked in. Uh, it can't be like, and it, if you if you screw up once, Dame might get hot, and that's it, you know. And so, and then it doesn't matter what you do. So that, the the Blazers are a good test, a very different test than the Nuggets. But the Nuggets, like they really test you too, because all their cutting, all their movement, you have to be super solid against them too, or Jokic will pick you apart. And the Celtics had, you know, a six minute stretch where Jokic really picked them apart. But other than that, I thought they were just just kind of solid. Did 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 what they were supposed to do and. What do you think about the Brad's adjustment to like throw Grant onto Jokic and just like not, I guess, play your typical defense? Is Brad in win now mode? Is like we need to like nor like it has hit the part of the season where it's like they are pushing for the playoffs. They're trying to get better, and each game really feels like it matters more. Is Brad willing to just pull out some Nick Nurse style stuff to just try to get some W's going? They they need to win to build some championship habits. And so it feels like winning times now. Yeah, I don't know if that was like a, a crazy innovation, but it was smart. It was definitely smart. And and it's it's a curveball. You could see them throwing again um in the right moment in the playoffs. Like, like could you have Robert Williams guard Ben Simmons? While Ooh. while Grant Williams guarded Joel Embiid and just have like a, a help guy, you know what I mean? Like like there are scenarios where you could just try to get funky with it. Um, and having Robert Williams off ball, I I felt like that really helped them against against Jokic because you know there was one time Jokic found a cutter and Robert Williams was there with help, and so the cut that would have been a layup turned into they had to pass it out. Aaron Gordon didn't want to shoot. He passed out to Michael Porter Jr. and the Celtics were there to contest it. And so it's like I felt like that that really made a difference. And I don't know like how how many other times that's that's necessarily gonna be a matchup or a, a tactic you'd want to try. Um, but like the Ben Simmons thing, it could be fun, right? Like like I, I, maybe that's not even what you want because Grant Williams will just foul Joel Embiid. Oh, he would immediately team. foul out, but yeah. he'd at least get six fouls from him. He'd but, foul out and immediately put his hand up because Grant is very honest when fouling. Yeah, but ha- having Robert Williams kind of weaponizing him as a help side defender, I thought was was neat and and really made a difference. And I felt like he was kind of getting picked on in the third quarter where he was struggling against Jokic in space, struggling against him at the three-point arc. Um, and then the Celtics decided, you know what, let's have Grant Williams deal with a lot of that stuff and we'll turn Robert Williams into like our our roving shot blocker. And, and it worked. It worked. Well, I uh, hope it keeps on working. I don't think they're going to put Robert on uh, Dame or uh, CJ, but you know, maybe Brad has another kind of crazy – adjustment up his sleeve to slow down uh the trailblazers the celtics also just have to shoot the hell out of the ball like they have to score because the trailblazers defense is awful and so they need to put up points i'm expecting a big three-point performance 53s i'm going to predict right now i don't know we don't normally do predictions for single games i'm predicting over 53s uh against the trailblazers bringing that spice bringing that a lot of threes all right now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, uh, which is brought to you by our friends at Night Shift Beer. 
who make the Santilli IPA. The Santilli is a delicious IPA. Uh, and Jay and I drink it, enjoy. That's how we enjoy basketball. If you want the Santilli and want to support our friends at Night Shift, go to nsbeer.co slash beerfinder. You can figure out where Night Shift is sold near you. They sell it all up and down the East Coast. And then if you're in Boston, they will also deliver to you. So go to nsbeer.co slash beerfinder and get you some Night Shift. Jay? What is the first pick? I'll give you the first pick. I'm feeling in a good mood and gracious. Your first pick in the potable six-pack. I'm going with Jason Tatum's 53-piece. That was... Safe choice. I like it. Good. Strong. That was a lot of points. <laughs> Just a <laughs> lot of points. <laughs> and it, like the Celtics, they started off horribly in that game. It was, it was so bad. And then Tatum got going. I, I felt like the most... Not the most impressive part. The most impressive part is scoring 53 fucking points in a game. Um, but I thought it was it was really good that he did that, and then they got to the overtime, and he got the ball out of his hands quickly. And I think the Celtics hit, had three wide-open threes because of all the pressure that was on Tatum. And that that's how they have to play. Like, like when Tatum's going, bam, bam, out of his hands. Kemba hit a three. I think Jalen hit a three. And then the the Celtics cruise in the overtime, and so I, I I was really impressed by the way he handled himself after he got hot, except for like a couple possessions when they were blowing an eleven point <laughs> lead over the last minute or two of regulation. But other than that, I I just felt like he made the right decision, which can be really tough when you're that hot. The thing is wild is that they they did like basically really came close to screwing that game up. And Jason Tatum had 48 points uh, at the end of regulation. Would you rather have the 48 and just have them finish it out and get the win? Or did the fact that he was able to score five more points in overtime, they still got the win, so you can't complain that much. But 50 is such a magic number in the NBA. It's like as soon as you get over 50, even if it's in an overtime game, it feels like that's like automatically made him uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Like crossing over that fifty number is just a, such a big deal. Even if your team messed up the game, uh, and the only reason you got fifty was because you had failed to close out the Minnesota Timberwolves. Fifty-three is a lot of points. You're saying exactly what I'm saying. Yes, but forty-eight yes, is not a lot of points. I would say it's less points than fifty-three. Five fewer. Touche. Uh, my first pick has got to be Grant Williams, the enforcer. Uh, Romeo Langford got a hard foul from Jamaica Green. Uh, and Grant Williams was immediately over there to get into Jamaica Green's face. I don't really think of Grant as the enforcer type, but I liked him standing up for his teammate. And I thought it was funny when he came out of there all barrel chested and uh, was defending his guy, Romeo. And this is going to sound like an old timer thing to say. Celtics haven't had a lot of that. Like there haven't been many moments this season when it was like they had each other's backs. I feel like, like when they had Jay Crowder and those guys, it'd be like every game they'd be they'd be getting each other's backs, fight standing up for each other. And and I don't think that's the most important thing at all in basketball. But I think every once in a while, when when you get shoved to the ground, it's nice to see when your teammates have your back. Yeah, it was just a a, a strong moment from Grant, and uh, I had to highlight it here. I think I already talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but just Kemba at the end of the third quarter, the net, uh, Nuggets game, made like three straight defensive plays. 
got to the and one with points five seconds left. I just thought he was fantastic during that sequence and like got to give him credit for doing that. And then I just went back when you talk about Jason Tatum in overtime, Kemba's knocked down two threes in overtime. So we talked about Kemba's, I guess, struggling this year, but you got to give him credit for playing solid, especially in that third quarter against Denver. Yeah. Yeah. That, that end of the third quarter was just Romeo and Kemba making great defensive plays. And then the Celtics capitalizing on the other end, Kemba, like all of his stops led directly to points. I think it was he's he got a steal when Campazzo threw a bad pass, went the other way, like strip blocked Campazzo, went the other way for the and one. And then what was the other play where he fed Jalen in transition for a nifty layup? And yeah, Kemba had a lot to do with that. And you don't normally point out his defense, but his defense really got the Celtics started in that run. Um, my turn, my turn. My turn. I'm going with Jalen Brown passing to Jason Tatum for a wide open bucket. And I'm not going with that, though. I'm going with the reaction to it. It was like the most normal play ever. Like, just leave it for your teammate in transition. People were like, how much does that mean? How much does that mean about, <laughs> about your relationship? He and, wanted to get him 50. Yeah. And maybe he did, and maybe maybe it was more important to those guys. But that's what I'm saying. Fifty is a magic like number. That, was, that just... was a normal normal play. That... Also, there was questions about whether or not they should have continued dribbling the ball out because it was a easy. They shouldn't have gotten the easy dunk with 17 seconds left. Yeah, but Brad Stevens disagreed. He thinks they <laughs> he should've. disagreed strongly. He laid yeah, it out all so, the facts. So big. Big play there, 50, 53 whopper. Um, and then What's Tristan the most Thompson's amount of block points? where he caught it. Tristan Thompson's block <laughs> where he caught it is my my last pick. I mean, that was just an awesome block. Who who did he block? I don't even remember. I don't even remember. Doesn't even matter. He just blocked him and caught it. I was like the the classic like Bill Russell things. Like I don't like to block it out of bounds. I like to block like then it's a it's not a complete turnover. He like to tip it to your own team. No better way to tip it to your own team than by catching it. That's just a badass way uh, to get a turnover. So that's a great pick. Uh, I'm going to finish it off here. Uh, For some reason, I follow a lot of Nuggets reporters, and people were having meltdowns in their mentions, and I got to see them like quote tweeting it. And it was nice to know that it's like not just Celtics fans who are jerks to people online when their team uh, plays poorly. I don't even think Denver's a big like Nuggets town. Like I think of Denver, I think of the Broncos. I just never thought there's a big Nuggets community out there, but they were mad as hell. And you know, it just feels good to like know the people we surround ourselves with aren't. Um, it's not just us who uh, engage in being mad online. It's a universal thing. Many people are mad online, including Perk and Drew Hanlon. Fantastic. Fantastic. Not me because the vibes are immaculate. The Celtics are five and two since I declare it as such. One year's of five of their last six, three of in a row, and they have a chance to go for the sweep on the road trip if they can beat the Trailblazers and the Los Angeles Lakers. We will be back later this week to tell you if it happened and to break down whatever did happen in those two games. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, if you enjoy it, subscribe, rate it five stars, do everything for us, help us out. 
And thanks for listening to this episode of Anything is Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.